You're listening to SBS News. Straddling the Murray River, on the border between New South Wales and Victoria, lie the towns of Mildura on the southern bank and Gold Gold to the north. And this is where, in 1876, a young Korean man came to live the rest of his life. This is the story of John Korea, who seems to be the first documented Korean migrant to Australia. The story of John was first discovered by Dr. Jay Song of the University of Melbourne, herself a Korean-Australian. While studying early migration from Korea, it is the name of the country itself that led her to discover a man with a strange pseudonym. John Korea uh, came up when I was uh, looking for some of the early Korean immigrants in Australia. And I looked at the National Archive with a few search words with a couple of uh, Korean sounding surnames like Kim, Park, Lee, Chong, Song and things like that. But a surname search was uh, extremely difficult because how they pronounced was different from how they wrote. Uh, John Korea came up uh, in his naturalization record. And that was 1894. So I couldn't believe my eyes uh, because it was just impossible. 1984, Korea was still a dynasty, Joseon dynasty. So there was no modern state. I couldn't believe how he traveled, how he got here. The quest for the first members of a community can teach a lot about the circumstances of migrants in the early modern history of Australia. Countries of origin were often written down haphazardly referring to regions or nations sometimes only vaguely related to the migrant. And even when names were not mangled by officials, the migrants themselves opted for new names. Dr. Song had found a man who apparently named himself after his own country. She now had to make sure he really was Korean. I don't know his uh, real uh, Korean name, but when he was naturalized, he gave himself an English name, John Korea. Back then, I wasn't still sure whether he was Korean or Italian. But 1921, uh, his Adelaide Hospital record shows that he uh, left a note that he was born. The place of birth was uh, recorded as Japan. So I was 100% sure that he was then Korean. When he was born in 1859, Korea was a kingdom under Chinese protectorate. But in 1910, the country was invaded and colonized by Japan. From that moment on, John Korea's birthplace was officially considered Japanese. Dr. Song then discovered John Korea was 17 when he arrived in Australia in 1876, on a ship called the Lokiel, a tea-trading vessel operating between Shanghai and Sydney. He worked as a sharer and a miner. She published his story in an article which attracted the attention of other members of the Korean-Australian community. One of them, Yong Deo-jo, is a young man who migrated from Korea to precisely the same outback region where John Korea lived. The first time I read the article, because I, I've been in Australia about nine years, it was really interesting story because um, 19, end of 19th century he came here himself and he was 17 years old and somehow he survived here himself i don't know he 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 could speak in english or not he didn't have any family he he never got married he never leave any children here so i actually felt sad at the end of the story the young man came to identify with john korea we have a bit of a similar thing 
he and me came to Australia and settled in Gogo, which is a very small town. Even now, are a very fine Korean here. And we both work probably very hard, work in a farm area. I feel like he's my family and uh, that um, stimulate my imagination. So maybe John uh, was very interested in Western countries. Or, or maybe he accidentally got on the boat, you know, the, the wrong, wrong ship. He probably stronger than me. Like, you know, I don't know he, how he survived here. The apparent loneliness of John Korea in Australia is what amazed the Korean Australians who learned about his story. Another Korean Australian has read John's story and reached out to Dr. Song. His name is Jaidon Shin and he is an artist in Melbourne. He too found a resonance with his own fate in the life of John Korea. He had no choice. He didn't know what where he he was. He just followed the, his destiny. So it is quite a tragic feeling for me. Without any community, so I I can't imagine actually what what was his real life was. And he underlines the importance of the Korean Australian community today, something John Korea didn't have. I'm living in Australia, but I'm living in the, some island of Korean community. We help each other and we share many cultural experiences, something like food and uh, news and language. Yes, he's living in the island, but he is alone. At first, John Korea wanted to work in mining in Western Australia. But Jae Song discovered he was rejected for a reason she would never have expected. The WA uh, mining minister rejected his mining uh, application because he was naturalized in New South Wales. So I would say it's nothing to do with racism back then, but it was more about parochialism. You know, New, uh, New South Wales naturalization uh, was not recognized in WA, for example. After being rejected from Western Australia, John Korea was eventually allowed to mine in New South Wales. There are clues he made himself a part of the community. When he lost a shake worth 150 pounds, not only did friendly people bring it back to him, but the story made the news. He was watching football with his colleagues and he lost check. And he found he didn't even realize he lost a check, but the check was found uh, sometime later on the same football stadium ground. Uh, and it was such a, a local celebrity news. I mean, we can, we can only imagine 150 years ago that lost check can be such a uh, you know, big news in the local town like Golgo. When he died in 1924 at the age of 65, John had no family, no wife and no children. But friends stepped in to organize his funeral. He died in 1921. Uh, he, he had a TB, tuberculosis, I guess because of the working condition in the mining uh, towns were uh, not so good, obviously. Uh, he died at the age of 65 uh, and buried in today's Mildura in uh, Victoria. To better understand the life of her predecessor in his lonely march to the Australian outback, Dr. Jay Song decided to follow his path. She drove from Sydney to Gold Gold. Oh my God, I had to. I had to follow the steps of John Korea. I just had to experience what he had gone through. I wanted to also imagine what he has been through uh, geographically and spatially. On arrival, 
Dr. Song had help from local historians to locate the abandoned tomb of John Correa. The Wentworth Historical Society was extremely helpful to find the old archives. The cemetery manager helped me find his uh, burial site in the Presbyterian section of the Nicholson Point Cemetery where John Correa was buried. I was able to identify the plot number. So I went there and then counted because it's it's marked only uh, as a rose and numbers, there was nothing. There was no tombstone, there was no mark. It was just an empty empty pot of land. Jae Song tried to honor his tomb the best she could by making offerings. Probably I was the first one who visited his tomb. I know that he's Korean, so he would like a bowl of rice and bowl of kimchi. So I did offer some kimchi there and tried to find some Korean liquor, but I couldn't find it. In Mildura, Golgo, I couldn't find any Korean grocery. So I just poured a glass of Cooper's Australian beer. Hope he liked uh, Cooper's instead of the Korean liquor. Inspired by Dr. Song's adventure, Young Dale decided to do the same, making the forgotten tomb of John Korea a sort of place of pilgrimage. He wrote to Jay Song to ask for the exact location. His grave only 15 minutes drive away from my place. And I talked to my wife. Hey, we should go together. So I brought a bowl of soju, which is Korean traditional liquid. I put a shot and um, we just uh, pray for him together. The Melbourne-based artist Jai Don has not had the opportunity to do the trip yet. His intention is to paint an imaginary portrait of John Korea. He intends to visit Golgol if he can, hoping it will help inspire him. And like young Deo, he came to identify with John. I want to make his portrait, but I don't have real image of him, so I have to imagine. imagine. My idea is to mix my self-portrait and his, his portrait together. At this moment, I can't imagine what was his life. If I can visit his uh, grave, Uh, his town, it can be much helpful for me to imagine. Every story of a community pioneer is different and teaches different things. With John Correa, we touch on the issues of names, naming the man, but also his country of origin. It is also an adventure that inspires those who follow him because of how hard they perceive his life to have been, alone in the outback, never to see his country again. And like their community supporting each other, they made a point to ensure John Korea was not alone, at least in his afterlife. As if a hundred years after his death, he finally found a new home in today's Korean-Australian community. I am Julien Oyer from SBS, bringing this podcast series to you. Each episode is about the earliest documented person to settle in Australia permanently that we managed to identify from each community. If you are aware of someone who settled even earlier, or the first migrant from any other community, we would love to hear from you and welcome your story. Please write to us at radio.news at sbs.com.au. Music